This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist John J.P. Parker are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. Hello, everybody. I'm John Parker. And this is BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. Today, we are jumping into the third part of our Build Your Own Table. We're talking about building your own table, not staying at that table too long, not begging for a seat at people's table unnecessarily. I guess never, right? Is it ever a time where you need to beg to sit at somebody's Uh, table? You need to ask. There might be some seasons you need to ask. (laughs) Be polite. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some yeah, seasons yeah. you need to just go ask me, like, hey, can I come do, do you mind over here? <laughs> just in the corner. Yeah, I just be able to fly on the wall. I'm good. Yeah. All right, cool. So this time we've, we've already discussed faith. We've discussed work. And today we're talking about relationships. Uh, BJ, what you, what, what you got, man? What you thinking about this? Man, this is a great topic. You know, yeah. the idea of relationships is daunting. Uh, many of us end up in relationships because we, we sat in fifth period together or we live next door to somebody and, you know, we grew up in the same neighborhood. And I think that this issue of relationships, uh, it needs to be discussed because oftentimes once you are past the age of a specific institution or, you know, education, you find yourself really struggling to build um, meaningful relationships into adulthood. And so mm-hmm. today we want to discuss what it means to build relationships that are healthy, that are transformative, and take away some of the ambiguity that happens there. Um, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, so we're just saying build your own tables, even in the areas of your own relationships. What do you think? What do you hear when you hear build your relationships or build your own table in the area of relationships? Well, I'll open up with this illustration. Yeah, man. I think oftentimes we, because we desire to be liked by people or to be wanted or to feel important, or to feel special, or we need our ego stroked, or whatever it looks like, um, we'll proceed or pursue or want to be in relationships that we don't need to be in, um, that aren't healthy, mm. that are toxic, you know, all of the above. Uh, and oftentimes, it, you know, most times it leads nowhere, and you just end up with, you know, lost time and a broken heart, um, and sometimes some financial debt, depending on how many trips you took to impress her. Um, so, you know, Jeez. it's just one of those things where, you know, it's it's... It's an overall phenomenon that needs to change, that needs to be different. And we just want to help people understand, like, you don't have to beg for seats. Um, sometimes you got to re- create your own table. Um, and when you're forcing yourself to be in a situation that you don't need to be in, nothing good comes from that. Mm, speaking of forcing yourself into a situation. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Um, Is, okay. I have that. I'm going to open. No. Oh, okay. You, okay. You got um, it. No judgment, bro. You got it. I appreciate it. I, I felt a little judgment on your end. Um, yeah. So if you heard on the one of the re- more recent episodes um, prior to this, um, 
I share a little bit about my dancing career. And uh, just by way of illustration, <laughs> the short, uh, was, it shorter? About, was it shorter or long? It was so, bro, listen, people inboxing me talking about how, you know, they couldn't drive and they was teared up. And I was like, oh, y'all laughing at me because they hey. buffed the floors? Welcome, welcome, uh, welcome to my world. <laughs> huh? Welcome to my world, uh-huh. right? Like you should have seen, it's a real story, right? But when I was in, in school, when I was in high school, again, we talked about, you know, talent shows and whatnot. So, you know, do you remember the talent show? Did y'all have talent shows in Cali? Absolutely. Like student count talent shows. I'm not talking about magic tricks. <laughs> I'm talking about like singing, dancing. I mean, usually hosted by the BSU. You know what I mean? I, okay. you know, I can't really say other groups were excited about that as much. Okay. So, yeah. So we had a, I don't even know what it was. We had a culture of talent shows. When I was growing up, we had actually, you know, Destiny's Child and just a ton. We had a radio and television program in our school. So we had a lot of talent come through. And so I remember just a lot of hype around it. And there were groups that were being formed. People were forming groups in order to perform the show. And one of the top groups, um, dancing groups, you know, really coordinated. Um, they had tryouts. And so I remember going and thinking like, yo, I want to get on the show. Um, I need to go try out. So, you know, I show up to try out. It's about 20 to 30 people. Um, and they're gonna do cuts. Now, this this is all student led. This is not hmm. an administrator. Okay. This is okay. all student led. Yeah, and so you need to, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is before you could dance. What's that? Uh, so you think you can dance? Right, right, right. Is that the name of the show? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. So this is before that joint, right? And so I show up, and you know I try out, you know, with twenty thirty people, and then you know just like the, the typical scene on you know a movie when you've done tryout show up, walk over to the, you know, board that day and see who made the cut. And I remember walking over to see who made the cut. And bro, listen, my name was nowhere mm. to be found. Mm. Maybe they just spelled okay. it wrong or they uh, had you mixed nah, up. Nah, 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 I was not on this list, okay? <laughs> I did not make the cut. It didn't matter how great I was, how hard I tried or whatever. And I remember just feeling like down initially, thinking like, wow, I really wanted to make this show. I really wanted to get up and pop my, you know, behind oh. on oh. a stage. Pop your behind, not your collar, <laughs> your behind. Okay, all right. <laughs> my collar, do the the neck. Like all the all the stuff that you wanted to do in the early 90s, 97, <laughs> 98. All right. Okay? Uh-huh. I wanted to do that on a show in order to bring gyrating. They call it gyrating. Gyrating. Yeah, gyrating. I'm just... I'm, and I remember... Okay, never mind. Nope, nope, nope. I'm not going to... Hey, listen, it always okay. gets worse. It always okay, gets worse. Okay. So, I decided that day to embrace the fact that I had not made make it, right? But I also realized that it didn't matter if they said I made it, that I could create my own. And so, I actually created my own group. I don't know where I had never started it before. Um, and we traveled all over the city, you know, doing talent shows and just to not, because I believed just because I didn't have a seat at that table, um, didn't mean that I couldn't build my own. Mm, right. Mm, mm-hmm. And, and so this is what we mean when we talk about relational begging and creating. JP, when are some times when you find yourself begging for the seat at the relational table only to, to realize that they didn't have no more room? Ooh, 
Oh, you hit me with the curveball. I didn't, I didn't. That's what I do for a living, bro. Wait a minute. That wasn't the pregame conversation. Wow, I like that. Man, it wasn't uh, no room at the uh, table. My goodness. Nah, 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 nah. There's no room at the table. My Go ahead. Goodness. When are you about, when is the time you find yourself in your life mm-hmm. begging for a seat at the relational table yeah. and there was no room? I won't say how old I was. <laughs> 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 Yo, make sure you send an email to C. John Roar. Nope. I just closed my account. You can keep them. Um, so I won't mention that. But there was a point in time where I'm sure you're familiar with this, the singer, Aaliyah. Um, yeah, of course. She, she had of a course. song, one of, one of the most memorable songs. A.I., A.I., which one? It Rock was, the Boat? No, no, no. Four-page letter. Oh, I'm looking for a four-page letter. Not quite like that, but yet that second part was right. I'm writing you a four-page letter. I remember, I remember these these lyrics. I'm writing you a four-page. Um, there was a point in time that I wrote a young lady a four-page letter. Um, okay. Profess my love, my desire to to wife her, to spend the rest of my life with her. What my life is like right now. What? Huh? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Please tell me you were. Please tell me you were grown when this happened. Hey, man, listen. We're, <laughs> that, that is neither here nor there. <laughs> go ahead, bro. Go that ahead. Is neither go, here nor there. Um, okay, okay. So I decided to just put it all on the table. We write in four-page letter. Leah said it's a good time. You know what I'm saying? If y'all know how old I am and you know when that album came out, you can do the math of how old I was. So <sighs> I... Pretty much did all that. I was I was away for a while. Um, I expected that, you know, when this, this letter gets read, it's going to open all these emotional doors and I'm going to just walk through and it's going to be a wonderful situation. Um, not only do, you know, when I see her again, um, you know, I, I think we have something going on. She has a hickey on her neck that I didn't give her. Uh, Ugh, she had a what? And what does she have on her neck? A hickey, a monkey bite, she, as they say. She had a, <laughs> <laughs> she, she had a monkey bite that uh, didn't come from said gentleman. It was not not a monkey bite that I gave her, right? So, um, so you know, this is post letter, all this good stuff, right? So then, even later on, uh, as I'm still trying to, you know, just make room at this table. Uh, she winds mm. up with child, uh, and oh. and said child was not not that fruit of my loom. <laughs> it was not a uh, a a child that I participated in the um, making of. Um, and so it was at that point I realized, like, mm, I've written this letter, confessed my love, spent this money Dang. on her, done all these different things Dang. that a gentleman is supposed to do. Not that saying money means that you should. You know, I don't. It's 2019, so you just can't say throw, throw money at a woman and it means something. But you know, I've invested. I've invested emotionally. I've invested financially. Um, and well, she flew out. Did you flew her out? I did. I, I did. If I had the bread, I would have. You know what I'm saying? If there, if okay. there, there was the way to flew her out, <laughs> she would have been flown. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and so all of these things, you know, take place. All of these things happen, and I, I, I at the point of the baby, I realized like, oh, okay, there's no room at this table. This this table is full. There's a there's a table for two, um, about to be a table for three, and there's no seat for me there. There's there it's just not gonna happen. And it didn't matter what I did, how sweet I was, how how many letters I wrote, four pages or not, uh, how much time I spent, how much work I put in, how I was willing to convince her with everything in me that I am the one you need to choose. She was elsewhere. 
You know what I'm saying? And did you hit her with the Ray J joint? Did you show up like singing in the rain or I didn't anything like that? I didn't. Okay. Maybe I should have. Maybe that would have put me over the top. You should you should have showed up with those sweatpants on, with those see-through sweatpants, rain pants. And and listen, you would have had one wish. Go ahead, bro. So for those of you that are at home, um, I have a son that's crying for me. He heard that I just professed my love only to fail. <laughs> And he was like, I thought my dad was the man, and he out here trying to fit in seats at tables that he shouldn't be at, and I am disappointed as his son. So I do apologize. I, there's a professionalism that we like to have uh, in this podcast, but right now, my son feels like his dad is a uh, a loser, and I've let him down. Sheesh. <laughs> Sheesh. So tell me about the rest of the episode. So, so basically, you wrote it a four-page la- uh, letter. Mm-hmm. She ended up getting pregnant yeah. by someone. She had a hit first. It started that's with how, a hit. That's how they started, Everything right? Started with, that's what grandma said. Started with a love Babies part. come from kissing. That's what that's what grandma said, right? Uh, yes. So it started off with yes. that. And then it just progressed to a point where it's like, all right, she gets pregnant. And then I realized, oh, the light bulbs come on. Oh, okay. This this is <laughs> I'm not at this table. Uh, there's no room for me at this table. Um, I can even try to I've tried to create a table for her to sit at. Didn't quite happen. And so I'm just at a loss. Like it's just it's it's it wasn't a win for me. Um, but I was willing to keep keep going. I was willing. I was willing. But I think at that point Gosh. I realized it was over with. Gosh, listen, this is a great point. So I one of the, you know, you're asking one of the moments where I realized there was no room for me at the table. I was asking for a seat. There was no room for a table, and I don't think mine comes by way of um, romance. I think mine comes by way of work. Uh, I, I think about, you know, there's a, a really popular term people were, you know, citing for a while in certain circles. Um, and it was a term called racial reconciliation. Okay. And this term essentially just means like, hey, we're going to get together and talk about all the tensions that revolve around the issues of race. And so one of the ways to get you to the table is by saying to you, hey, you and you alone can help us. You and you alone can bring change. You and you alone can be the person that that brings and shed light and creates a bridge. And so the, the idea in itself is good. It's a good idea. It's good to think, I want to help mend relationships among people groups who have, in some ways, been at odds or there's been division or there's brokenness or just what that idea is good. So hear me saying that. I think where I realized there was no room for me at the table is, you know, many of the endeavors that I have worked upon, you know, work with individuals I work with, once we get rolling into the endeavor of being racially reconciled, which means to undo a lot of the things that have happened historically, which mean like taking the voices of people of color, the power and all these different things and just kind of tokenizing them or Mm -hmm. creating this absence of equality where you can weigh in into decision making. Mm -hmm. I think over a period of time, I started realizing, wait, it doesn't matter how frustrated, how many historical facts, Mm -hmm. how vocal, how much evidence that you know, shows we need to change a lot of this. I think I started realizing, wait, 
y'all don't really want to do this. Mm. <laughs> Wait a minute. Right? All this talking, y'all ain't about that action, boss. No, 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 no. You're not. You don't want this at all. As a matter of fact, you only want it the way that you envisioned it, which again is another form of racism itself. And so, I would just say, in a very candid way, um, that was shocking to me to be like, "Wow, there's no room at this table, right?" Like, no matter how much I want to be here, the way that you're saying I can be here is not really true. There's no room. What I need to do is. You want me to get accustomed to sitting on the fringes of the conversation, weighing in to bring perspective, but never bringing change. And I think that's when I realized, oh, wow, relationally, there isn't room at this table. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. JP, talk to us about how you see this in culture or in your life, this idea of relationally, man, there's no room at this table. And then we'll start talking about what does it mean to create a new relational table and what does that look like? For yeah, you? I was a part of a institution um, in which I found myself having a certain skill set, you know, for a living. Um, <laughs> I'm a psychologist. Um, I have a degree. I'm, I'm a, what do you want to say, um, registered through the state of Georgia. Um, I'm fully, I'm fully mm. licensed. Um, and I found myself continually begging people uh, that ran this organization to allow me to utilize my skills as a part of their organization. Explain what you mean to the listener who doesn't know what you When you say beg, mm-hmm. what do you mean when you say beg? Hey, guys, this is what I do. Hey, I'm a professional. Hey, why don't I be XYZ a part of your organization? Hey, I'm not looking for a role that's like, getting paid or being the boss. I just want to use my skills for the betterment of the people that are a part of your organization. Is that, does that make sense? I'm, 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 yeah. So you were just, mm-hmm. you're petitioning to them to be used yeah. in a way that was consistent with your well, skill set. Carry on. And, and that would be beneficial to the, 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 the greater people at large. Right. Okay. Um, Go ahead. And so, over a course of I don't know maybe three years, um, it was it wasn't like every week every day I was asking for stuff, but you would have every now and again I would be asked to be a part of this or be a part of that or come to this meeting or be a part of this whatever, and then as I give input and or again assert the idea like hey man there's certain things that I could do that can make things run better to be more beneficial blah blah mm. blah, it was still for some reason it just was in one ear went out the other and. To me, and this is my only own opinion, I, it hasn't been confirmed with the conversation with the group of people that run the organization, but it was like, you know, my 
cool factor or my fitting into what they wanted to do would wane based on, I don't know, based on my personality, based on, you know what I'm saying? Me not wanting to go all in with, and be part of the network or be part of the good old boys or whatever the case may be. And so my inability to shift the focus of who I was uh, and to be successful being who they wanted me to be as opposed to being who I was made to be because it, it didn't come in the form of me just being poster boy for them, for, for lack of a better word, then it was it was what I was trying to do for free, you know what I'm saying, um, wasn't something that was readily accepted. That's, again, that's my view. That's the lens I'm looking through things without confirmation here or there. But just you just tell by people like, how are you so excited about me one week, then the next week, uh, crickets. Then you're excited again, then you're crickets. And I think it just literally, it depended on what, role, not even what role, but what games I was willing to play and what things I was willing to do. Um, oh, goodness gracious. JP, you don't start out I'm like that. I'm just saying. I mean, what you want me to do, bro? Go ahead. You want to help with the help the people. So yeah. what, what I'm hearing you say is that in a lot of ways, it started to dawn on you that your acceptance within the organization really revolved around said conformity. We're not talking about productivity. Right, right. We're saying, we're talking about conformity to perception. We're not talking about job description. I, I, I think this is one of the, the greatest challenges to a table. It's not about submission and your willfulness to connect to, you know, and again, we're not talking about work, but I think even just a friend group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right? yep, yep. It's not the norms of it, it's just that I'm trying to bring an authentic version of me to this friend group, to this relationship, to this um, corporate culture, and yet that is being rejected. And I think what I'm hearing you say is, no matter what happened, you found yourself in what we call the performance trap. Mm. Mm-hmm. That if you were doing good, said to, to set whatever relational you know, goody points, and you <laughs> right, win it. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when you got out of the sunken place and had a desire to be more than that, and again, this can be personal relationships, this can be faith relationships, this can be corporate relationships, then all of a sudden, because you were in a performance trap, now you're starting to experience the performance scrutiny and the performance anxiety and the performance condemnation. Is that what I mean? Yes. Okay, go ahead, yeah. carry on. Um, and so it, it just got to a point where I realized like, man, like, well, and not even that before it got to that point, it, it led to like self-doubt and me feeling like, mm. yo, like, am I not good enough? Am I doing something wrong? Mm. Maybe I should compromise on my, my identity and maybe I just need to conform a little bit more. Maybe I need to fit this certain mold. Uh, you know, maybe I should lower the standard that I set for myself so that I meet some expectation that they have for me. You know what I mean? It became an internalized situation in which something had to be wrong with me. Um, and, hmm. and I came to the realization one day, like, no, man, listen, if I was a cool kid, if I was w- going with the flow, if I was going with the program, if I was doing the things that they wanted me to do that would prove to them that I was worthy of having this this title, this position, or being part of the, the cool kids club, then, you know, things things may have been different. You know what I mean? And so, it's it's it it just it just dawned on me one day like man I can only be me, I can only do what I do, I can only offer what I can offer, and if the people or the organization or the groups that I'm trying to offer this to don't want that, 
then I got to do something different. Like this when you tell yourself to kick rocks. Usually you tell other people to kick rocks, but I had to tell myself, man, beat it. Like scram. Like why beg people to allow you to do things that you want to do when clearly it's not Ooh. something that they want you to do? You know, so I keep pushing. What I think about this the subject is I love the fact that, you know, you point out the fact that you have to say to yourself, this chapter is closed. Mm-hmm. Right. I tweeted something this week about how when people try to fit in to places and spaces that have closed, they they unnecessarily keep open chapters that should be done mm. with. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I'm not talking about ghosting. I'm not talking about cutoff culture. I think ghosting is the lack of responsibility to communicate the change that's evident. Right. Like this is change. I need to communicate it. Cutoff culture is this anxiety or this this um, emotional immaturity that doesn't know how to engage conflict or or discomfort. So they just, they go stonewall. That's cutoff mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What I'm referring to is a responsible recognition. Yo, this is not growing. I'm in this relationship. I'm in this corporate relationship, organizational relationship, uh, I'm in this friend relationship. I'm in this family relationship and nothing is growing and I keep giving more and more to it. And I'm being asked to conform more and more. And now what's happened is instead of me growing through the relationship, us changing and becoming more one in the season that I'm in, now all of a sudden I found myself in a situation where I'm so fearful to be who I'm becoming in this season that I just become the person that I've always been just so you don't feel discomfort. And I think that is when you know you're begging for a seat, is that you have changed, you have grown, your perspectives are shifting on some things. And now again, when we say growth and change, it doesn't always mean positively. People can grow and change in ways that are destructive, Mm. right? So just hear me Mm -hmm. say that. But when you begin to grow and change in ways that are healthy, right, and a fuller version of who you are, you'll find yourself now in that same relational situation that will not allow you to be the totality of who you are. So let let me give an example, okay? Mm -hmm. So I grew up in Dallas, born and raised, not a Cowboys fan or a hater. And I knew a lot of individuals because I am you know, social and was involved in a lot of different things. If the version of me, right, if the version of me now and then the version of me then, when I left, I left almost 20 years ago. If the version of me now tried to explain from the vantage point of me then to the people who live there, there would be so much gap that it will be nothing but confusion and anxiety, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because these people have not grown with me, right? That we have grown apart. We have lacked space. We've lacked connection. We've lacked meaningful transaction. And I think that sometimes we know that we've changed in a particular way, but we'll just linger in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's the same why people stay in an unhealthy relationship for years. At least it's something and not Mm, nothing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And so part of that begging isn't just racial reconciliation, isn't just, you know, your faith community. 
part of that begging is when you're in a friendship that you know, hey, I'm maturing as a professional. I'm maturing emotionally. I'm maturing spiritually. I'm maturing um, physically. And nothing about this relationship is feeding into it. As a matter of fact, I have to digress. I have to pretend like that change has not occurred. And now, at the more I pretend that it hasn't occurred, I'm only doing it because it makes you not feel uncomfortable, mm. right? And so what I would say is that's another form of begging for a seat where there are none. JP, what are some places or what are some ways you've seen people relationally beg for a seat where there really isn't a place? And then we'll talk about building. Go ahead. So I've seen people um, in my practice and in my life coaching who are desperate to figure out why they aren't being accepted, even if they don't say those words. That's, that's, that's what's happening, mm. right? Um, they are desperate to fit in. They are desperate to be a part of the it crowd. They are desperate um, to be someone who's looked at as someone who is in the know, who is wise, who is, you know, cool, who is whatever. I've even seen dudes, and I count a lot of these young dudes that are trying out here, like, like trying to get married so quick or just trying to just so like excited about the idea of getting married and they they punch out out of their class right they're 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 chasing rainbows and i'm like man you want that it girl you want that that one for somebody to be like yeah no you want what what did you say that you just kind of snuck one in on me what you say they punch out their what you know what i'm saying you you, oh you saying they 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 got they going above their paper you made a pacquiao you want to fight mike tyson hey it sounds cool but uh bruh you know what I'm saying? You might be fast. You might get a couple licks in, but hit you with that one uppercut, your your life is over with. Mm. You know what I mean? So people, you know, dudes would be out here chasing waterfalls, trying to get that it girl, trying to, you know, because it, it's at the end of the day, it secures you status. You bagging that that one particular girl that everybody's trying to get with. You getting a seat at this table. You uh, uh, being able to rub elbows with these particular people. You uh, sitting on a board or leadership. So people, you know, it's really a subconscious need that's that's trying to get fulfilled or trying to get met by being in these positions or being, you know, sitting at these tables. Um, And instead of it being an outward focus, like, yo, something's wrong with them and they don't recognize what's great about me and what I bring to the table is you trying to desperately fit into a place fit your square peg in a round hole, be in a position, hold a title, have whatever, have, you know, have whatever influence, uh, mm. marry the it girl, whatever that looks like. And it's really just you having low self-esteem, you not understanding your worth and your value, you not looking through you through the right lens. And it's, it's, it's problematic and it's sad. And it's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad, bro. It's bad. I could keep going, but it's enough bad cop for right now. No, listen, you, you you take the back out pretty seriously. You, you won't get your I back out bad, bro. You do. <laughs> you need it. Recovering back out. So what I would say is, you know, just for those of you who are listening, you're saying, man, do I know, how do I know if I'm at a table and I'm begging? Listen, you're at a table and you're begging for a seat where there are none. When you can't be honest about who you are or who you become up to date, Right. So, you know, we, this is a new culture. I'm not saying I'm a huge, you know, advocate of it, but this is the, I'm going to tell you, I just, you know, I made this Mm. transition. I made this, I made that. Like, I'm not saying that's always healthy, right? I think sometimes there's an act of discretion that needs to happen, right? But I think the healthy thing about it is at least people are trying to be honest Mm. about where they are, right? 
part of this idea of are you begging is you know you begging when you can't be truthful about where you really are. Mm, wow. You know you begging when you believe that if I shared, now I'm not talking about discernment. Now again, we're not talking about judgment, discernment, proverbial wisdom, being able to say the right thing at the right time for the right situation. We're not talking about that. Again, that's just wisdom. We're talking about you have grown. You still stay with mama. You can't tell mama, hey, listen, I don't mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You keep feeding me this. I don't like that. I, I, As a matter of fact, I don't want another bologna sandwich ever. Yeah. Right? It's when you can't share who you become or who you've noticed yourself to be. And what I would say is when you don't do it and you decide to beg for the seat, whether that's parental, whether that's romantic, whether that's corporate culture, whether that's racial reconciliation, where they got you running through hoops, looking like a fool, hoping that you can be the great minority hope. When you can't be honest about it, what ends up happening is you practice a new form of cognitive Mm. dissonance. Mm. And so now what you're saying and who you are are completely different things. And it's all because it is one thing. Listen, because you really are fearful that if you leave this, you will have nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And so I'll say, you know, what I see with my clients who say that, I say, man, you really don't know that your creator has much more. First and foremost, there are 7 billion people in the planet. I need Mm. to tell y'all that. If one person doesn't like you, who cares? Right? And I don't, again, I don't mean that to be reckless. I don't, I'm not saying create a trail of broken relationships and burnt bridges. I mean, again, we cover that and saying ghosting culture is not the business. But I want to also say when you try to put too much weight on a handful of people liking you, you miss the reality that there is a planet full of 7 billion people. Yes. Right? Second thing I would say is this. If you're begging for a seat, then it tells me a lot about you. It tells me you don't know who Mm -hmm. you are, that you have bought into the belief system that you are only what that group of people or that small group of people say you are. And you don't know who you are. And as a matter of fact, you believe if you leave that situation, you have lost all of your identity, worth, and being. And I would say, mm-hmm. come on, bro. Yes. I get paid for this. I, I'm I get listening, paid for bro. This. I'm taking notes. I'm, and I, I got some phone calls to make okay. after this. Uh, okay. I, I need you to make some phone calls for real, for real. When you know who you are and whose you are, you can start heading towards purpose and begin to close chapter on relationships that have clearly ended for the season that you're in. And so what I would say is building a new table means knowing who you are and whose you are, meaning your creator, so that you have the confidence that's birthed out of conviction in your conscience, not a a, um, condemnation or comparison that's birthed out of losing something. JP, talk to us about building a new table. What is uh, maybe some practical things you would say Man, you realize you are in this trap of begging for a seat. What are some practical things you would say to say, man, this is how you can start building a new table? One of the first places to start is to build self-esteem for yourself. And Ooh, specifically is, is remembering or noting or writing down who you are, your strengths, 
your assets, what you bring to the table, what you offer humanity, what you offer to the world, what you offer to your family. Um, And I say start there because if you are still, if you're trying to build a new table, if you're trying to step back from begging from a seat, but you still believe that or still don't understand what you offer the world or what you bring to a table, even if it's a table that you have to make yourself, you're, you're wasting your time. And I think that that's a starting point, um, really recognizing, realizing where, then if you don't know, literally write these things down, think about these things, ask other people, people that know you, your mama, well, maybe not mama, because mama going to hype you up. She going to say, hey. <laughs> she going to every time. My mama just would just hype you right, up. Bro. Go ahead, JB. But I appreciate my mama, because that's why I have so high, such high self-esteem now. Like, I feel myself. Like, it's good. That's exactly, bro. That is exactly it, right? That's the mama you want. Um, But yeah, no, you really need to take a self inventory and understand who you are and what you bring to the table. Um, And if you need help in that department, ask those that know you, ask those that love you, ask those that care about you, um, and help you understand what your strengths are. Another step, not necessarily the next step in the sequential order, um, is really, really evaluating the circles that you are in. And really seeing if that, hey, or the Mm. tables that you sit at, is this something that was a self-promotion? Was this something that other people invited me to? Was this something that I begged to be a part of so that you can start eliminating and getting Mm. away from those tables that you had to beg to be at? Um, Yeah, right? That even if it's something that you strongly desire, but it wasn't something. It's almost like the scripture when it says, hey, when you come around uh, uh, notable people, don't don't, don't put yourself at that seat right up front. Because when somebody else that comes that's more important, you shows up, they're going to ask you to sit in the back or maybe remove you from the whole situation, right? So if, if you if you found wow. yourself in a situation where, man, I recognize and realize I'm only here because I begged. I'm only here. Well, you know, like you said before, you can politely ask. But if you're, if you're there because you only begged or if you're there because um, you had to weasel your way in or you had to work your way in or you had to really fight against the system to be in this place, again, we're not... Or hold up, or you were born into or it you, or you yes. were born into it or yes. you were so young... That this just happened when you were a young college student, and now this whole group of people has been all you have ever yeah. known. No. Sorry. Continue on as we finish um, up. Because again, and I, and I will say, yeah, there are times where you need to kick, scratch, and bite, and fight to get in positions maybe for inclusion purposes or for you to um, be able to change systems or whatever. We're, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about where you clearly are in a position where you're a token or where you have your, just some needs are getting met by you being at this place where you have some some baggage that is created because you just had to be here or you're fulfilling some some need that is is psychologically problematic. Uh, we're talking about that. Um, and so, yeah, recognizing who you are, the, the worth that you have. Secondly, under, recognizing if you have found yourself in places or you've put yourself in places where you don't need to be. And I think aside from that is really... Um, really taking the time to be honest about where this idea that you needed to be at this table or needed to have the seat came from. Um, and what, Good. right. And what I mean by that is you can get seats planted. You can lust after somebody else's position. You can feel as if, Oh, if I was just that, that would make me a better person. That would make me cooler. That would make me be wanted. Um, and really assess if that's healthy for you, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the, the scariest thing about it is many of the tables, again, happen when we were kids or when we were vulnerable and when we were young. And so we believe because that's always been, it always should be. And what I would say as part of this inventory is to ask yourself, is this growing? And then listen, am I able to be truthful about who I have become 
or who I'm learning myself to be. And I think when you realize, man, I don't have the space to do that, right? Like, again, there is an overshare culture. So can I say that? Is that a fair warning? That is. That there's an overshare culture that wants to tell you everything about who they become. And in some ways, it is a, it's an immature way to express oneself. I agree. So there's an overshare culture. But there's also a culture of paternalism where individuals think that because they had a season and hand in your life at a certain point, that is always going to be the same. And what I would say is, no, that's not true. Mm. That you, it's, That's your job to say, like, you know what? This chapter was great for the time that it was, but I'm going to take back my power. I'm going to take back my voice. Now, listen, I'm not being arrogant by saying, hey, you, you don't have the capacity in this season to serve me in a way that reflects where I am. That's me just being a responsible adult. Mm, mm. And so I think relational tables is when you have the courage to speak up on your behalf because you recognize things are not going anywhere. JP, I I know this is a very complex conversation and people struggle with it. If someone needs a little help, um, what can they do, JP, to begin to dive into this? Go ahead. Without hesitation, head over to buildabetterus.com click on get involved and find yourself a life coach that's going to walk with you that's going to be looking at why you feel like you need a seat why you need to really push for things that you don't need to push for and then help you potentially build a new table um, or step back and feel like realize hey this ain't a time where I need to be sitting or building I need to be doing something else right preparing myself um, so that you can grow and develop and be the person that uh, God has called you to be yeah. And make sure um, after this podcast, you subscribe to the podcast. Also share your favorite ep- episode. Tag me at BJ116 and then at C. John Roar. Um, and we'll make sure we send you a great discount code because our job is to help you become a better you so that we can become a better us. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us, and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast.